Hi there, loyal listeners, it's Brent. Um, so you may be wondering about the, uh, uh, weird, uh, numbering system on this episode. Well, um, as you know, uh, these shows are made with technology, and sometimes technology does not agree with us. So, um, episode three, uh, was recorded. It was a nerdtastic episode, and, um, unfortunately, uh, there was some audio issues, uh, in the production part of the episode that, uh, are really annoying. Um, so, at this point, uh, I can't seem to fix them, so episode three is going to go the way of, uh, some episodes of Doctor Who, to be uh, lost until discovered in a warehouse in somewhere in South Africa years and years from now. But in the meantime, uh, we are back with a great track expectations episode. So uh, episode four is now episode three, or episode three is what four used to be wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Um, for the at any rate, uh, enjoy the show. Set your phasers to sexy. Uh-oh. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of True North Nerds. This episode continues Great Traxpectations, episode two of Deep Space Nine, where we sit down and review Deep Space Nine. <laughs> episode two. That's a good thing to do in a show about Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but we, we, we watch episode two, and then we come back and tell you how good, bad, or other it is. Uh, I am the the guy at the engineering board Brent Chinden. You can find me at geekhardshow.com amongst other places. Uh, with us is our usual crew of misfits. Kevin, say hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. And Ryan. Hello. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> me too. Me say, too. Hello, Kevin. When he tells you to say hello, Kevin. I wanted to say hello, Kevin, but you finally did it. So, okay. And Ryan's here. Hi. And Jen is here. Hello. I've been waiting for that too. <laughs> So before we get into the meat of it, uh, I just wanted to uh, pass along a couple thoughts and uh, that were passed along to me due to, um, gotta admit something guys, kind of cheated on you on Sunday. What? I was on somebody else's podcast. What? Yeah. How dare you. Don't worry, I made him sleep on the couch. Oh. (laughs) Okay, so here's sound issue number one. I have my mic muted. So we have to start over again? <laughs> nah, screw it. Oh, it picked, I was pick, being picked up on the other mics. Excellent. It's just going to sound really bad for that. Work in progress, <laughs> folks. Work in oh, progress. Levelator to the rescue. Yeah. Hey, we're just, it, hopefully I'll make it okay. We're just happy like, the machine's working. Why am I so working. low? I'm, I'm usually louder than everybody else at the table. Um, okay, so as I was saying... Um, I cheated on us by being on another podcast, but it was all it was all for for a good cause, sort of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it was a mediocre cause. A guy, a guy that I've known for online for quite a while. His name is Nate Milton, otherwise known as Brother Nate or the Godfather. I'm. I think it was the live audio wrestling guys who gave him that nickname. Um, we've been online friends for quite a while and he does quite a few podcasts. He does one called the King, the Kings of Sport, which is really good. 
And uh, he just started one about the Luke Cage Netflix show. Okay. Where they're going through, kind of like our Deep Space Nine shows, they're going through each episode, doing a review and talking about it with guests and stuff like that. That will oh, take cool. much less time than Deep Space Nine. Yes, he, he is going to be done <laughs> probably just before our show airs. So, we should be done sometime in the 2020s. Um, so he, uh, because of other <laughs> things um, at Geekard, I wasn't really able to talk about Luke Cage that much. And when Nate said that he was doing the show with his uh, friend Efren, um, I, I basically kind of begged him to be on it. So uh, shout out to them. If you want to hear me talk about Luke Cage a lot and in detail, it's episode three of their podcast, which is called Always Forward. And uh, the uh, the funny bit about that is we know how much kind of problems we had trying to find a name for this show. Mm. Originally, it was supposed to be called Cage Cast. Unfortunately, there it was a taken by a podcast that only reviews Nicolas Cage movies. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they only review small animal enclosures. Oh no, mm. maybe that's Cage's Cast. Uh, okay. Um, but um, I kind of want to listen to that podcast now. I did mention to them <laughs> off air that we were putting this together and that they liked the idea because um, both Nate and his uh, co-host are uh, gentlemen of color, uh, which is part of the reason they're doing the Luke Cage one because they, they want representation, mm-hmm. which th- they should have. And um, it was uh, it, they thought it was kind of a neat idea that we were doing Deep Space Nine as opposed to all the other Star Trek episodes, and but they are also all of the they we all kind of agreed the the theory is that Deep Space Nine gets better when Cisco shaves his head, mm. <laughs> so we will see if that plays out. But uh, if not any, the, not the first episode was bad. No, the first episode was pretty good, which uh, means we're going into the second episode. And with second episodes, we bring up title trivia, or, well, tri- title guess. We haven't come up with a name for this segment, yeah. where I re- reveal the title of the episode, and our uh, our panelists here try to guess what the show is about. So we are on episode two, well, technically three, because episode yeah, one, one is part one and two, and it's listed on Wikipedia as episode three. But, but the, it's on Netflix as number two. Two. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll go by Netflix episode two. The title is Past Prologue. Anyone want to take a guess on what this show is going to be about? Kevin. Past Prologue. Uh, well, I think there's a lot of backstory on um, in Deep Space Nine uh, because of the situation. So I am guessing it's going to be about... Cardassian occupations and Bajoran freedom fighters. Ryan, what do you think? Uh, I think I was kind of thinking along the same lines, but I think we'll also get some more Cisco and you know Starfleet people backstory, kind of introducing who everybody is again. You know, lots of flashbacks. Jen. Okay, I wasn't allowed to cheat this episode um, last time I looked it up on my phone because I'm still reminder I've never seen Deep Space Nine. Um, but that's the fun. Yeah, I know. So let's see how wrong I am. Um, I think it's going to be about Cisco and Dax and their history and their history, like where where they met and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I would like to see. Yeah, okay. I don't know if that's what it is. 
could be. So at which point I'm pressing pause on the record as we go downstairs to watch the uh, second episode of Deep Space Nine. When we get back, our thoughts on the episode, along with, uh, we, we, I forgot, we have uh, Ask Alex, because he actually answered us. With, so we will get that set up, and Alex James, uh, nerd musician and all-around Star Trek geek, answers our inane Star Trek questions. So stay tuned, everybody. We will be back in, well, it'll be two seconds, because I'm just hitting pause and then record Insert again. theme music and maybe advertisement here. We can only wish. And we're back. Um, so, uh, Surprise! You, may have, you may have noticed, I, I think I'll probably record a tag at the start uh, uh, explaining, one, the previous audio problem, and two, um, the great Wikipedia and Netflix do not agree on uh, the episode order. <laughs> So we just hit play on Netflix and ended up watching A Man Alone as opposed to uh, Past Prologue. So, uh, yeah, our title thing is just completely has nothing to do with it now. So in two weeks when we do the next Deep Space Nine episode, go back and listen to the beginning of this episode and you'll hear what we think next week's episode's about. Yes. <laughs> Um, so we'll go around the table. What did, what was everybody's general opinion on the, uh, the show? We'll start with Kevin. I was a fan. I, I love the fact that, uh, these people feel like characters already and it, it didn't take weeks to, um, learn about who they are before we really got that these were new, interesting characters. The the neat thing about like what you're saying is um, because we've all seen episodes much farther along, uh, you can kind of tell that a lot. Like there are some tweaks. Oh yeah. Um, along the way, Rom, I think from this episode we notice is going to be the biggest character change. But Bashir is generally kind of same character. He's more enthusiastic, but I compare it to the first. Well, this first few episodes of Next Generation, the whole that whole first season, um, everybody seems sort of cookie cutter and bored. Yeah. Uh, whereas these these are characters who are angry at each other and are suspicious of each other and have interesting character quirks and um, again another well acted, um, really top notch group of people on this show. Mm. Ryan, your thoughts. Oh well, once we saw the uh, the, the title change, <laughs> I started thinking, you know, and that it's going to be okay. So there's going to be an episode where we start to see a lot of characters, maybe a oh, man alone. Well, where they start to feel isolated, even though they're in this group of, of people, or well, which I guess it did turn out to be, but it just was more yeah. with Odo, Odo, yes, wasn't I had a brain brain cramp there? Um, uh, it was he was the man alone. He, he was isolated. People started the, well. All the the people on the station started turning on him, thinking he was the one that killed the guy. And turned out that he killed his own clone. Which I guessed halfway through the yeah, episode. Yeah, we we should all give Ryan credit, credit for that. Slow clap for that. He he guessed it pretty much right off the bat. Um, that it was oh spoilers. Oops! Spoilers for a twenty-three-year-old show. show. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, 
the uh, the the cloning aspect was kind of a, a neat thing because I'm not. They have had clones in Star Trek before, but I can't think of what. Maybe I'm wrong. There was this, there was an episode of Next Gen with a society of clones. Oh yeah, and because they needed new fresh DNA, yeah. they, they were starting to break yeah. down. Riker killed his own clone. Yeah, and uh, and Riker sort of has a clone in Thomas Riker, who mm-hmm. is a transporter accident doppelganger. Yes. So I guess he could kind of be a clone. He's just a different type. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, gotta watch out for those doppelgangers. Jen, what did you think of the episode? Mm, I liked it. Yeah? It was a little, like you said, there was a little bit more character development. It's kind of a slow pace, I guess. Well, there's only the second episode. I know. They're still doing a lot of character. And you guys keep spoiling things for me. Oh, okay. Not me. Sorry. Talk to your husband. <laughs> yeah, all my fault. Um, so now I know stuff that's going to happen in the future. So in the the once well, again, much like Ryan, a useless credit award also goes to Jen because Jen spotted on <laughs> the uh, one of the data pads where uh, what was the victims the guy who gets murdered? What was his name? I have no idea. Uh, uh, but Jorin guy number one, one who uh, Odo had problems with. Well, Odo put, sent him to prison. Well, apparently, I'm not... There Maybe there's more that I'm unaware of, but this was a Star Trek Star Wars crossover episode because Jen caught on the data pad that uh, this gentleman had been leaving Alderaan. Well, Alderaan Spaceport. Yeah, Alderaan Spaceport. Well, so I guess that also places Star Trek <coughs> takes place before the first Star Wars movie. No, not necessarily. The spaceport could still be there. It could be the Memorial Space Spaceport. <laughs> Alderaan Memorial Spaceport. Because <laughs> it was a long time ago. And his name was Ibudan. Ibudan. Ibudan, which I think might be a headache medication. <laughs> I've got a massive headache past the Ibudan. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I, I'm I, I'm kind of with Jen. It's a little bit slower paced, but I but and, uh, Kevin's also right. I find that the characters are very more well defined, at least out of the starting gate. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them, O'Brien and Keiko, have like a pass because they were they had a couple of years to develop their characters, right? Um, but everybody else is doing a pretty good job. And Kira got a haircut. Yes, she should looks it, much better now. Should we kind of keep track of how many haircuts she goes through? Because I know there's a couple. There are several more. Yes. See well, again, spoilers. I didn't know about the haircuts. It'll be interesting to see when we watch uh, the next episode, which we thought was this episode, if she has the old haircut or the new haircut. Oh, so we'll Is know Netflix which. Netflix? Yeah, we'll know or which Wikipedia. Who mixed up the numbers? According to Wikipedia. Past prologue did air before this one. Oh, and it also says that the production numbers are um, are in order. So I don't know if this is a Netflix um, a Netflix gaff or what. It could be. I, I've seen it before. It wouldn't be the first time. So or or somebody at Netflix HQ numbered an episode wrong. Yeah, I don't. But we I don't saw think it. It... I'm not going to go back and rewatch it out of order oh, no. again. We're not going to do this episode no. twice. 
so overall, what do you think? Uh, what kind of rating system should we we give these episodes? I don't know. Um, Are we going to be rating them? Well, we might as well. We're reviewing the episode. Well, since there's been only two, two. it's a which one did you like better type well, of a situation. Uh, the, the pilot we won't count. Okay, well, and then there's one episode, so what <laughs> are we... Or do you want to do the chain? Is, like, is it better than the last episode? Yeah. And we ask well, that every a, time. It was is episode, it better than the last episode? Was it a filler? Yeah. No, it no. wasn't better than the last no, but episode. I mean... But the last episode had a lot of work to do. Yeah. Uh, but saying that, was it a bad episode? No. No. No, it, it wasn't was... bad. No, this was very much a small world kind of episode where it's just... It a few was, events on the space station. Yeah, nothing to do with the wormhole or Bajor. It was Law and Order DS9. But like you were saying, it helped develop the characters, give them yeah. a bit of a backstory, a bit of a history. We now know a bit more of Odo's um, passions, I guess, and his his strong ethics and or morals, I should say. And, Passion for justice. Yeah, exactly. So, And this might be the first time that we get a reveal that Odo sleeps in a bucket. Yes, mm-hmm. the bucket. I kind of felt bad for him about that. I'm like, oh, they it's sleep a in a bucket. bucket. He likes his bucket. Actually, that's in one of... Uh, they couldn't even give him like well, a no, bathtub or something? It. No. They're, 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 I remember there's episodes that deal with him not being able to use his to bucket. To get to his later. bucket, yeah. That's a good... Yeah. Now, um... We haven't touched on the B plots, and this. this oh, okay. This yeah, that's ep- a good point. This episode juggled several B plots quite nicely. I thought. Yes. Um, the O'Brien marital strife. Yeah. How dare you bring me to this place? I didn't want to really come to. What am I going to do here? Plot that Keiko brought up. Um, also, the the Bashir as um, puppy dog. Wanting, wanting the bone that is Jadzia Dax, and or his... wanting to bone Jadzia. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna say that. I will. <laughs> I like the bu- puppy dog Bashir. He's, he's very cute. He's adorable. I'm trying to remember when that ceases, but uh, not to spoil things. Like, and it doesn't go on forever. But it, no. yeah, it I can see it getting old. She, he tones down a little bit too. I think later on. So we learned a little bit more about Dax's backstory, her history with Cisco in this episode. Um, Jake has got a friend now that neither of their fathers want them to be friends. But, yeah. uh, but there's a beginning of a, a relationship there. We see, we see how Quark and Odo work together, how they're sort of best frenemies. They're going to be so cute. Yeah, Quark uh, likes him. I can tell. Yeah, I think I think they have a grudging respect for each other. Yeah, but yeah. Quark well, totally was like, yeah, you know, you got to look into this. You know, I'm I'm gonna help you without telling you I'm helping you. Well, Quark also admits that Odo Odo's challenging him has made him a better criminal. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the point when he offers, he asks him if there's a spot for him in his crew. And, you, and when he tells him, oh, oh, you almost got me. It's I like, think Quark was being serious. Well, no, no, or I think Odo was, was being serious. serious. He almost looked at you like, oh, even you don't want me around now. Yeah. Oh. I, I think Odo genuinely was like, well, Cisco's not going to let me. You can't beat him, join him? Yeah, Cisco's not going to let me be the uh, constable anymore. So might as well join the other side. And, you know, I guess that kind of shows his kind of grudging trust of Quark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, at least he has, you know, he has the sense of honor. And so I was like, yeah, I felt bad for Odo. Yeah. 
So I doubly felt, I triply felt bad for Odo in this. Because first of all, I found out he sleeps in a bucket, which I don't think is very Maybe nice for anybody. Maybe he likes the bucket. He's liquid. He's made of liquid. Where else is he going to it's not like Yeah, it's but like, not describe it as a bucket. It's natural form. A liquid doesn't liquid. need cushions. No, but I mean, it could have been a bowl. It's not like he's It could have been a chalice. A decanter? It could have been a decanter. It makes me think of one of those white yellow buckets with a mop in it. I don't it. think they actually used the word bucket in this episode, though, did they? They did. No, yeah. they said pail. There's a difference. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bucket, pail, tomato, tomato. So I felt bad for him for that. I felt bad for him because, you know, he was being isolated by everybody. And then when he tried to reach out to the one guy that he thought would be like, yeah, sure, we're buddies. Come work for me. Quark was like, ah, you almost got me. And then he was like, yeah, I guess. Oh. On the other And then people were throwing rocks at him. <laughs> but on the other hand, he had that confrontation scene with Cisco where Cisco was trying to calm him down and say, look, I'm only relieving you of duty because this looks like a conflict of interest. And I trust you and I don't think you've done it, but we have to make things look good for the people who live here. And Odo threw a hissy fit and and called him on well, it. Well, we I, other than Kira, I think this shows that Odo trusts nobody. Odo trusts yeah. nobody. <laughs> well, so Odo brings this on himself too. Oh no, and no, I'm totally yeah. I still feel bad for him, but oh yeah, he's not innocent of that. No. He's innocent of not of murdering. He didn't murder the guy. He did not do any murdering. Yes. Yeah, but he's, when Yet. Odo had his little hissy fit, he wasn't just. Like he was kind of pointing out, like, why should you trust me? You don't know me. Yeah. I haven't given you any reason to trust me. You, I don't trust you. Why like, would you do whole, that, though? Because it's, he's Odo. Yeah. Because he doesn't trust he's anyone except for Quark. Right. And Kira. And, and Kira. They, I, not to spoil things or anything, but I think there's a there are at least one or two more detective style episode starring Odo. Oh yeah. There's a few of those. Yay. Yeah, like like I'm not like maybe not murders necessarily, but there's a couple things where like he's the lead character and it's him yeah. solving a mystery. See to me to me Odo was so far the most intriguing character. And I'm really interested to learn more about him. I find him very intriguing. I find Dax sort of intriguing just because she's she he has so many past lives and yeah um there's and, a couple really good episodes yeah. with Dax and yeah. exploring those facets that are really good that are remember maybe they're terrible <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> as we go through the episodes the, one other thing I, I liked about this episode is that Cisco who is a fairly brawny imposing figure uses Kira as his muscle. <laughs> I, I love that, that she's the tough one who's in charge of kicking some ass, and when he needs somebody to go into a trouble spot, he has no trouble sending Kira in to do some judo chops and throw some people over Or she shoulder. just goes. She just goes. I like how Starfleet martial arts and Bajoran martial arts are all primarily, primarily like judo. It's all throws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, all all weight throws and stuff like that. Well, no, not a lot look, of punches. Yeah, they look best on film, right? Yeah, well, to film from a distance. You know. Also, easy to do the stunts for. You put yeah. a gym mat underneath the and guy. And Kira didn't want to really hurt anybody. They're yeah. her people. Yeah, O'Brien got in there mixing it up too. Yeah, why is the engineer taking charge of? Well, because he's, <laughs> is that he's his like job? A commando or something? Is that he's what he Irish. does? Exactly. Yeah. He's the fix it guy on the station. 
Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the chief engineer, isn't he? Isn't that what he's listed? Is that yes. his title? See, because he got, he got well, they kept talking about his promotion. Yeah. Because in uh, the next generation, when you're the chief engineer, maybe this is an Alex question. When you're the chief engineer of the starship, that makes sense. You're keeping the engine going. You're keeping it going. So when he's the chief engineer of a space station, he's basically like the landlord that you call when the Water pressure stops? I think Pretty so. That's much. part of his yeah. job. How is that a promotion? Yeah, but that's the same idea on a spaceship. Like, yeah. You still, when something broke, they called Jordy. Jordy, this thing's broken. Some, some, send someone over to fix it. Yeah, but Jordy always dealt with really complicated oh, okay. things. Now, yeah, but this is only the second episode. We haven't had a chance for O'Brien to shine yet. All right. Now, we... Well, we have uh, we we have learned that Wikipedia may not be the most trustworthy of sources, but according to Wikipedia, his position is chief of operations. So it's probably similar to his chief engineering position, um, but not. And he's um, he's a non commissioned officer, so that may also be part of it. Um, speaking of uh, such things. Last uh, uh, Great Trek Spectations, we asked uh, Star Trek super nerd, musician, and uh, one of my friends for a long time, a Deep Space Nine question, because Jen and I used to do this all the time when we were uh, watching uh, Next Generation. So the question that we posed to Alex last time was, so when the ships went into battle at Wolf 359, why didn't all the ships evacuate normal citizens from the ships before going into the fight? Because, uh, as you may recall, the last, the first episode of DS9 starts off with us watching uh, the Battle of Wolf uh, 359, which is Picard is the, the commander of the Borg, wipes out a lot of the Federation, uh, and a lot of their ships at the time, including killing Cisco's wife in the process. So that was we a were, great opening. I yeah. still want to reiterate that. Yeah. So we were kind of confused of, like, why didn't they stop at a star base and, you know, drop off the regular people and non-commissioned officers who didn't sign up to be shot at by cyborgs. Or one of the 70 million M-class planets they seem to always stumble well, across. You drop off the officers. Whether you're commissioned or non-commissioned, you're, you're in the, you know, you're there, you're part of Starfleet. You're ready to fight. So, um... Just as uh, just as an anecdote, uh, I posted this on Facebook in an open forum for uh, for Alex to uh, answer and just to see what kind of other answers I would get. And there wasn't many, but uh, my friend uh, Dave Vasquez Abrams, uh, his uh, reasoning for it was population control. <laughs> <laughs> that was his two word answer. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. But in the meantime, Alex replied with the following. The Borg invasion moved way faster than Starfleet was prepared for. That's why there were only 40 ships at Wolf. That's actually a good point, I suppose. They had to run for it. Admiral Hansen had to gather what forces he could that were already in the area. Even with warp speed, space is enormous. Read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's, it's gigantic. Um... And there wouldn't have been time to drop off civilians anywhere. Uh, Next Generation, if anything, has always proved to me there is always an M-Class planet. <laughs> yes. Somewhere in the vicinity. So I, I would argue that point Shoot a little bit. Shoot them out bit. and, you know, some, some shuttlecraft and... Pick them up later. Up. Yeah. 
Uh, the uh, even if there's thing. not enough, there's enough escape pods. Exactly, and the, and those are I think those are retrievable. If I remember my technical manual, I or, think also I think Wolf Three Five Nine was pretty close to Earth too. So yeah, because that was the fear was like this is the last stand. So until they like show maybe up at, at that point there was no place else to drop them mm-hmm. off. Why didn't they drop them off on Earth? Because they were on the other side. Okay, so anyway. he he continued. Um, remember, by the time Wolf Five Three or Three Five Nine happened, Starfleet hadn't fought a major uh, a major fleet battle in decades because the the war with the Klingons Klingons and was over, and the Romulans had taken their ball and gone home. Basically, even the war with the Cardassia was uh, more of a series of. Uh, border clashes that started that then an actual conflict. They simply weren't prepared across the board. And Admiral Hansen, to oh sorry, to Admiral Hansen's credit, no one could have predicted Locutus, Locutus, that oh oh have predicted Locutus. Period. End quote. That fleet wouldn't have stood a chance, civilians or not. <laughs> I suppose that most of that is correct. And, and and quite frankly, he knows Star Trek more than I do. <laughs> and if you ever run to Alex James at one of his shows, just ask him how big the Enterprise is. Just, just go up and ask him. Which and, Enterprise? Yeah, that's <laughs> usually... And he will do it without thinking. It's one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> <laughs> and he and in case anybody's worried, Alex knows that we are asking him these questions for the podcast. And eventually, when it's doable, I'm going to have Alex on the show. So, do we have a question for Alex from this last episode we just watched? Um, the only thing I can really think of is how prevalent cloning was in in yeah. Star Trek. Yeah, up to so. that point, that's a good question. I uh, will just message him now. Yeah, that clone grew pretty quick, too. I want to talk about O'Brien again a little bit. We mentioned last week how beat up the station was <laughs> and how destroyed everything was and yeah. how limited resources were. And yet they were able to build a school in hours. So um, he fixed things pretty quick. And uh, they must have really amazing replicators on that station now if they can uh, put a school together really fast. Well, I mean, the school didn't really have much in it. It had seats and, I guess, and a bunch space of age whiteboards. <laughs> yeah, a giant space age whiteboard with Pokemon on it. With Pokemon. <laughs> I love it when they asked her, well, what do you need to make the school? Well, we need a room. Okay. <laughs> uh, and computers. The whole place is a computer. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe that could be taken the other way too, because that grin that Cisco gives, the the, the one that we find kind of creepy, it's it kind creepy. of like it kind of looked to me like, what do you need? A room. Oh, All right. <laughs> I got what space. I got space somewhere. How about a closet? Yeah, we'll fit you. I need computers. It- Quark has some that fell off a truck. <laughs> it's nice to know that in the Federation, one does not need any kind of teaching degree or credentials to start a school. Well, well I guess if you're in the middle of nowhere. Which well, there important. are billions of Bajorans on the planet. <laughs> no, they, they're not near the planet anymore, oh, remember? That's right, that's right, they moved the station. And that's only so that why they the station has money coming in and they can get all the stuff now. Yeah. There's no they're money in Star Trek? Then what are they gambling with? Oh yeah. Well, well that's not a, that's in Starfleet. There's no money, There's no money in, in Starfleet. Starfleet. So what yeah, are they paying? Starfleet. Well, okay, sorry. Then they, that's why they're getting all the resources. Now. People become security officers or botanists 
out of the goodness of their hearts. Yeah, see, uh, there's a couple major Star Trek questions I've never had answers to that I want to save up for Alex this year. <laughs> like, okay, so we find out we find out that Cisco's dad is a chef, right? Yeah, and he has a restaurant on Earth, right? So does he just feed people for free? Because <laughs> and it's right near like Starfleet Academy, I think, in no, he's San in Francisco. New Orleans, oh, is it in New Orleans? Yeah. Because uh, I kind of sworn they showed the yeah. Maybe in the future all restaurants are Taco Bell. <laughs> so are you saying that <laughs> after after Demolition Man, it eventually goes into Star Trek? Could be. <laughs> okay, so we've asked Alex our question. We we've watched the episode. Um, just a, a a little bit of housekeeping. Next week's episode will not be a great Trek spec, or well, the next episode, not next week's. Um, the next episode we do will be just a, a nerdy-based episode. There will be some themes to it. What those are, I don't know yet. I'll come up with them before we record. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right before we record. Probably, actually, oh. no. I've got a good one Ooh. that I, I came up with because I wasn't sure what we were doing today. I couldn't remember <laughs> if it was a Star Trek episode or a, a Gavin episode. So, when, <laughs> And I, I think it's, it'll go over pretty well. Or at least topic number one. Is it something that will require research? Um, possibly. I'll send it out to you guys before we record. A heads up will be nice. It's more of uh, you'll have to think about it. I think because there's a a couple choices. Thinking about stuff. Nobody said there was going to be thinking in this podcast. (laughs) I thought it was all TV. Twenty what year old shows? Twenty three. Twenty three year old shows. So before we go, as is tradition, uh, geek picks for this episode, and they can be anything. They don't necessarily have to be nerdy, just something you're into at the moment and listening to, reading, watching, what or have recently watched. We will start with Kevin. Oh, I get to go first again. Yeah, you get to go first. Because I, I stare directly at yes, you, you do. so I have to turn to see everybody else. I am reading, for the first time, surprisingly, uh, Alias by Brian Michael Bendis. Oh. So, uh, specifically the Purple Man storyline from the end of the run. Yeah. Uh, I loved the Jessica Jones TV series. Mm-hmm. I loved David Tennant's portrayal of the Purple Man. Uh, of course, with the comic being so much more integrated into the Marvel Universe, uh, there are some differences, but they're, they're good differences, and, and I'm really enjoying it. I love the art. I love the... Uh, there are a couple of issues... Where flashbacks are done by Mark Bagley. Oh, okay. And I, 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 it's been so long yeah. since I read it. So the flashbacks to when she got possessed by, uh, by Kilgrave, and when she was like happy teenage superhero, mm. are all done in that Ultimate Spider-Man Mark Bagley style. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, yeah, it's really it's really good. I mean, Bendis. Uh, so this is a. 2003 book uh and bendis was at the top of his form then so uh, it was really before like it was his kind of part of his start at marvel really like well his start of this run that he's had for god how many years now is he well that was 13 years ago and uh alias wasn't his first work right no but that was that was the one where he really started getting and he'd been writing um, ultimate spider-man before that even had oh had he well, yeah, I guess he must have because that, Mark Bagley, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Alias by Brian Michael Bendis. Um, 
I think it's I think it's actually all collected in one nice trade now or mm-hmm. two trades. It, it was in multiple trades for a while and they were out of print. Yeah, because Marvel is uh, kind of terrible about letting some stuff go. It's one of my yeah. only complaints about Marvel. Their trade system lets stuff go out of print a right. lot easier than DC's does. Yeah, like and of big name books too. Like stuff that like in DC's case, y- you can always find a printing of. The, the Dark Knight Returns. Yep. It's or always Death of Superman. There. Yeah. yeah. But like a lot of the the major X-Men stories over the years like go out of print and you wouldn't know it until you go to try and find it and the right. trades are going for like 150 Well, months. I think Alias was just republished not long ago because, because of, of the Jones, Yeah. So and sense. coincidentally, she has a new ongoing series at Marvel in the, the Marvel proper, though, not uh, in the, I, uh, the, the Max. I don't know if it's started uh, yet. Is there a Max line anymore? Uh, not really. It's kind of like their icon line. They trot it out every once in a while, right. but it's not actually a real line anymore. So uh, that's a good pick. Thank uh, you. It's a good book. Thank you. Now you got to live up to it, Ryan. What's your geek pick for the week? Well, I had one thing, but I've changed my mind. Oh. I'm going to continue the Because theme. of the quality of my pick? Yes, there you go. I won't say that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to continue the theme of uh, Marvel Comics, though. Okay. And I've read, I guess, two issues now of Dan Slott's uh, new Spider-Man run, uh, The Clone Conspiracy. Mm. Oh, really? So well, it doesn't been... surprise me that you've read it. I'm just like, it's. Well, I forgot that was out. Yeah. So they did the I guess, issue one, The Clone Conspiracy number one came out, and then the the first tie-in issue to, to Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, which ended up being mostly a flashback that led kind of like a filler in to kind of fill in the gaps for uh, the clone conspiracy issue, issue number one. Uh, spoiler, we learn how Doc Ock is now alive. Ooh. What? Dr. Octopus is alive? He's alive again. Oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. Well, we all saw that coming. <laughs> Just when and how. And now we know. But the, the whole oh, comics. I <laughs> love it. And clones and Spider Man, <laughs> which usually is not a good thing. No. But the big difference, and I uh, I feel it's okay to spoil this too because I saw a, a panel from one of the comic conventions and Dan Slott was going around, this is the big difference. Um, it was, should also be noted this episode will be out like probably, probably a couple time, months yeah. before, by, by you the know, after. Yeah. Um, but. These clones, instead of just being, you know, like, oh, it's a clone from when Peter or Gwen or whoever gave a blood sample, and so that's all the memories they have up to that point. Uh-huh. Well, these clones are cloned in a way that they remember dying. Ooh. So they have all their memories up until their death. So it's the closest to resurrecting the person. As so they're only cloning people who are already dead? Yes. Okay. And part of it, because once he kills them, then you bring them back. Well, they remember everything up to that point. And now that there's this new clone uh, that the Jackal has made, well, if you want to stay alive, you got to take this pill every day that I give you. Mm. That I'll only give you if you continue to do what I want to do. Which will allow some of the good clones to go bad because they want to stay alive. Yeah. It's a good Mm -hmm. plot device. Interesting. So it should be interesting because some of the people they've already cloned and, It'll and be I, interesting to see how it all. Mm. I do have faith in Dan Slott too. He's a good writer. I yeah, yeah. he's done. A, he's done a really good run on Spider-Man so yeah. far. I haven't yeah. really read his Spider-Man, but I loved She-Hulk. 
Oh, okay. And uh, did you read a Silver Surfer run? No, but I heard that's good too. There's very much... Like, you're a fan of Doctor Who, so I think you would like this, because it's very Doctor Who-ish. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Jen, let me guess. No, I'm not plugging Squirrel Girl this time. Oh, uh, not plugging Squirrel Although, Girl. Although, I did convince one of my coworkers to read Squirrel Girl after talking to her about it this morning. Um, so I am plugging uh, a series of young adult books uh, called The Red Queen Series by Victoria Aviard. A-V-E-Y-A-R-D is her last name. Um, there's two books in the series so far. The Red Queen is the first one. The second one is called The Glass Sword. And I just finished the second one. Since I'm very bad at uh, doing spoiler-free synopsis, I looked it up on barnesandnoble.com. Oh, and you're just going to read and I'm just spoiler-free gonna read it. synopsis? So this is the, the synopsis for Red Queen, so it doesn't spoil anything that happens in The Glass Sword. Uh, it says, Mare Barrow's world is divided by blood. Those with common red blood serve the silver-blooded elite who are gifted with superhuman abilities. Mare is a red, scraping by as a thief in a poor rural village until a twist of fate throws her in front of the silver court. There, before the kings, princes, and all the nobles, she discovers she has an ability of her own. And it goes on, <clears throat> but that's all I'm going to read. You can read it yourself if you really want to. So I've read the first two, Red Queen and Glass Sword, and the third book comes out in February. So I'm going to have to remember what's it about, what it's about before. <laughs> Is it a February. high fantasy magical world kind of series? It's more of a dystopian type of dystopian future, not really future, but a dystopian world. So the world that Mare lives in is. Uh, they, they speak about a war that happened a thousand years ago. Right. And I'm really, really, really hoping that this doesn't end in the, it was our world all along. Bum, because bum. this has been a favorite of a lot of YA dystopian authors. And it's really frustrating because they craft this beautiful world. I'm thinking of the Allegiance series. They're the Divergent series off the top of my head. They craft this beautiful world that doesn't need to exist on our world. And then they go, oh, it was our world all along. Mm. Uh, it drives me up the wall. So anyway, I don't know if this world is or not. It's got magic or science. Or um, tech it or? sort of has magic because what it is is the the silver bloods who rule the red bloods have superhuman abilities. Okay. So each of the noble houses is known for its particular ability. Like the magnetrons can control metal. The nymphs can control um, nature. Um, there's uh, or no, the, there's ones that control water. Uh, there's whispers that can whisper and control your mind, and there's oblivions that can basically render your power useless. Oh, cool. It's Ooh. really neat how they do it. So Mare is a red blood. The red bloods don't have powers, but she, for some reason, has the power of lightning and electricity. And so it's the silvers are living out of fear because they basically use the red bloods as cannon fodder in this centuries-old war against another kingdom. So if they're starting to get powers. Exactly. Yeah. So the silvers are trying to cover it up because they don't want the reds to know that, um, that there are those among them that have powers. Yeah. And at the same time, there is a secret organization called the, the Red Guard that is trying to start a revolution and a rebellion to overthrow the silvers and uh, stop this crazy war that's been going on for centuries. Very cool. Yeah, it is very well written, and I'm very much enjoying it. Now I don't want to wait till February. No. Well, that's so. a good sign for a book, though. Yeah. If you because you finished it 
looked it up on Amazon and then were annoyed because you have to wait until I do that out. a lot. There's a lot of really good series I've done that for. Yeah. <laughs> but this one is actually, if you're a fan of the current dystopian trend, you know, like Hunger Games, D- Divergent series, um, I know a whole bunch of them. Maze this one, Runner. Maze Runner, yep, this is um, another good one to add. Hmm. Good choice. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, with comics myself this time. Uh, because uh, I got um, as uh, the around the, this recording time period, the first major trailer for Logan was released mm. uh, a couple weeks ago, which got me digging into uh, my trades. And I happen to have a, a really good hardcover that once again Marvel let go out of print. That's called the Best of Wolverine. And so it's got the um, the original Wolverine miniseries that Claremont wrote and. Uh, uh, Frank Miller drew, and then it's got a couple other stories in it, and some short stories. There's a really good uh, one shot of uh, Wolverine versus the Reavers with one of the kids from Power Pack. Oh, oh yeah, and it was it, a Power Pack issue, the yeah, youngest one, Katie yeah. Power. I've got that, and it's uh, Barry Windsor Smith did the art <laughs> yeah. on it, and for a one shot issue, it's just awesome. Louise Simonson write that one? Uh, she was the regular writer I'm on Power Pack back in the not day. Not sure. I'd have to look it up. But my my main pick from that, which you can find in trades, hopefully, at this point, is uh, the Weapon X miniseries that mm. uh, Barry Windsor Smith both wrote and drew. Yep. That um, I'm kind of amazed at how well it still stands up. Oh, really? And doesn't... I, I guess if... I haven't really read the much of Wolverine's solo stuff after he got his memories back. So maybe a lot of it's contradictory now. I don't know. But um, as a standalone story, and if you want like to read something before that Logan movie comes out, it's a perfect place to start. Yeah, really good art, too. It's uh, Barry Windsor Smith, because I know he yeah. listens to the show. Oh, he, yeah, he, yeah. He's, well, he's sitting anyone, there. Who's anyone listen? Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> Uh, I really wish he'd come back to comics. What, His, what was the last thing he worked on? I looked it up, and the last thing that I could find was his storyteller series mm. that he was putting through. I want to say Fanagraphics. Yeah, and it was he was doing them as uh, the single issues were large, like magazine format, like almost like the uh, the Savage Sword of Conan size. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he never really finished much of those. He did release a graphic novel starring one of those characters, which was actually a repurposed Storm story Hmm. that he had, but switched Storm out for one of his characters from the Storyteller uh, series. And uh, it's in black and white. And it's a beautiful book just for the art alone. The story's pretty decent, but the art's just fantastic. But... Ever, I found records of like him teasing that he was talking to Marvel about doing a like a monster book of some sort, or like there was a point where he was talking about doing a thing graphic novel, and as far as I can tell, nothing really came to fruition from any of that. But just like like his art is still so good that I, it kind of surprises me that we haven't even seen him done covers or anything yeah. like. All those other X-Men, classic X-Men artists aren't really doing interiors anymore, but Art Adams is still doing tons of covers. Yeah, the other guy I was just thinking it was Adams. He's, doing, he's been doing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for the last whole whack of issues. Like, just the, just the covers, not interior, but him, Jim Lee's 
still drawing at DC sporadically. Silvestri still gets out there every once Luke, in a while. He's drawing Suicide Squad. Yes, yes, he is. Mostly, mostly. I think there's two stories in an issue, and he does. One. Yeah, in, until that reboot of Legion pops up, and then he switches over to that. And oh, is he doing else. the Legion of Superheroes? That's the rumor. It hasn't been proven true or not. And if I get a cease and desist letter from DC, maybe that means it is. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, Weapon X, I think you can find it in hardcovers and trades. That's one that gets reprinted a fair amount that goes out of print. So it's, if you go to if you go to your comic shop, they'll probably have a copy of one version of it or another. Anything if I, not, go to a used bookstore and you can find it. I, I, I've never been a huge Wolverine fan. He was never my favorite X-Man. I love the team books for the minor characters, and mm. Wolverine became a huge breakout hit. But I do have the original cop- comics. The, the Marvel Weapon Comics X, Presents. Because it was Marvel Comics Presents, and there were all these wacky backup stories in mm. that book. Uh, it was a, an anthology book that came out bi-weekly, I think. Back, was it bi-weekly? I think it came out bi-weekly, and we're talking around 87, 88. So. There are some really good stories from those. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Nightcrawler story arc and a Cyclops story arc. Yeah, because there was usually two kind of ongoing stories, and then there was one or two that were like, one-shot fill-in story, And the lead story was always an X-Man, a solo X-Man story. It, it became more or less a Wolverine book and then yeah. books or stories around it. Uh, wow, they should really reprint a lot of those things, too. There's a Colossus one called God's Country that oh, was, yes, I was do excellent. A, a Colossus story arc in that book. Uh, I think it starts when Wolverine's first appearance says Patch from oh, um, yeah. that issue. And other sidebar note, I've got the first issue, or not the first, one of the, the issues of that Marvel Comics presents from Weapon X, and it was beaten up, but I have a tendency to get like my favorite comic by a creator signed, mm-hmm. and I have it signed by uh, by Barry Windsor Smith. Nice. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was an odd interaction. Not bad. I, I'm not going to go too much into it, but... It was kind of a weird convention thing. That, um, <laughs> but, uh, Barry, if you're listening to this, please come back to comics. We need you. In the meantime, uh, next uh, next episode will be a fun, nerdy chat episode, followed by another episode of the Great Trekspectation series. So until the next episode, uh, we have yet to get a tagline. That's a good tagline. Keep it. Yay! <laughs> Set your phasers to sexy. been listening to the true north nerds recorded at the utility cupcake research kitchen reach the nerds on twitter at true north nerds on facebook under surprise true north nerds and you can reach them by email at true north nerds at gmail.com if you like the opening theme song it's called set your phasers to sexy by kirby crackle from the album sounds like you Please go to KirbyCrackleMusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it.